morning, Solano. My name is Paul, and I have the privilege of reading today's scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. I invite you to open up your Bibles and read along with me. And what you have heard from me is in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is God's word. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you uh, for all your, your kind love, expressions of love and concern for Jody over this last week. Um, she really has felt it and been blessed by it. So she's taking some mental health time and um, it's going well. She, we're getting some good people uh, connected, involved, and she's doing some good things. And so uh, it's really really positive in that sense. So just thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for uh, standing with us uh, at this time. I, I was telling Miguel, it, sometimes it feels like the incongruity of life and ministry is overwhelming. You know, like you're like, oh, you know, everything should be, if things are going well in ministry, everything should be, you know, perfect in life. And, and then, and you just feel that incongruity. And so, you kind of wrestle with that. Um, and, but then I look at the Bible, and I'm like, oh, yeah. The people that God used, the people that served the Lord, you know, went through hard things. And, and so, um, yeah, I couldn't be more excited than I am right now about the, the thing I'm excited about Solano is this, is that I think we're coming to a season when we are more focused on the right things than we have ever been. And there's greater clarity around answering God's call on the church in general and on this church specifically. Um, and I just couldn't, I, I feel like, you know, it's nine, almost 19 years that I've been pastoring this church. And all through those years, you're constantly pursuing clarity of mission and vision, right? And I would say, you know, of all those 19 years, it feels like, you know, the peak clarity around that. And I'm super excited about what's next for us as we live into that. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, and then I was also doing, you know, I lead the department for our denomination, 1,600 churches, about with basically starting new congregations. And, and this week, I, you know, just the report, we got 15, already this year, we've started 15 new churches in the United States. So think about that. 15 churches where people are finding Jesus and being built up in the gospel and having their lives transformed. And then if you add in the second language congregations and the multi-site, it's a total of 33 new congregations just this year in the United States. So there it all is. And yeah, yes, it's the Lord's work. And so, um, yeah, all that. Life, together, we're together in it. Um, thank you. And God, as we open up this scripture, which leans us into some of these things that I'm just even talking about, and really the, the underpinnings and the inner workings of, of what it means to be a disciple and to serve you and to walk with you, would you meet us in this time and in this place as we think about Vision Sunday? We do this once a year, and um, it's 
special and important, and it's a way for us to reorient. And so would you just be with us both now as we look at your scripture and uh, in the coming hours as we have a congregational meeting, we want it to be for your glory, Lord. We, we know this life is short, and it's messy, and it's difficult at times, but there is something deeply wonderful and beautiful and eternal that's taking place even right now, and that is that the good news of the gospel of grace is going out and going forward and, and, and touching the lives of people who are trapped in, in brokenness and sin and hurt, and only the gospel of grace has the power to bring freedom. And we lose sight of that because of the crazy of the world, the crazy of our lives, the crazy of relationships, all of it. Um, but you call us back through your word, through the example of Jesus. And in being allowing ourselves to be called back to that, we find uh, a refreshment and, and life and a connection with the eternal, which is what our hearts and our souls long for deeply. And so would you be about that as we look at this scripture today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this is from a book called Wiki Church by Steve Murrell, and he gives this illustration. Uh, <clears throat> With a gold medal already in the bag, American shooter Matt Emmons was one shot away from double gold in the 2004 Athens Olympics. Matt was at the top of his game. He had already won the International Shooting Sport Federation Championship in 2002 and 2004. His final target was 50 meters away. Sitting in first place, all he had to do was hit the target for his second gold. Matt sighted the target, took a deep breath, and squeezed the trigger. Bang! Dead center. And with that shot, Matt went from a gold medal to eighth place. That's what happens when you make a perfect shot at the wrong target. So on Vision Day, we get to ask the question, what are we aiming at? What are we aiming at? What is our target? And when I started to get in ministry, you know, now many years ago, um, the target was what people have called the three Bs. Okay, so excuse my French here, but the three Bs are butts, budgets, and baptisms. Um, that, that was really what it was all about. You need more people in the seats, a bigger budget, and more baptisms. Now, those things aren't inherently wrong, but when they become, you know, the target, uh, things happen. So to get more Bs, we started lots of programs and to try to meet the needs of more and more people. And in doing so, we created this mindset uh, among the people that you come to church to get something. You come to church to get something. Now again, that's, that's true. But we miss the fundamental biblical truth that when you become a Christian, you already have everything. You already have everything. And whatever you have left of your life is to be given away. And so we see this kind of talk all throughout the scriptures. And when mature Christians in the Bible are reflecting on their lives, they say things like this, Acts 20, 24. Paul says, but I do not account my life of any value 
nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now, here's the paradox in that. Of course, when you give your life away, it comes back to you in greater fullness, which is also the story of the Bible. So Mark 8.35, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. So in losing your life, you find your life. That's the story of the gospel. Jesus went to the cross. He died on the cross. He lost his life. And then he rose from the dead, a harbinger of what will be true of all who are in Christ. And that's the story of the gospel. You lose and you win. You lose and you win. So what then, if this is the shape of things, is the target? What are we aiming at? And, and how do we try to make sure we're not aiming at the wrong target? That's the key question. And what, are we, what are we aiming at with the one life that we have? What are we aiming at with the one life that we have? Well, here's how the Apostle Paul put it to his protege, Timothy, and, uh, and Paul already read it for us, but I'm going to read it again to us. I'm reading it in the NET Bible, um, and I'm also going to include the first verse of the chapter, 2 Timothy 2.1. Paul says, so you, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I think when I chose this, I, I probably put 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. And then as I studied it, I realized that you can't have Timothy 2.2 2 unless you have Timothy 2.1. So I'm adding, so you, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you heard from me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful people who will be competent to teach others as well. So the target is this to pass the gospel. That's what we're aiming at, to pass the gospel from one person to the next. Let's think about this uh, text a little bit more. 2 Timothy 2, 2, the second part of it, has inspired all kinds of people um, and, and organizations. Um, it's a common theme verse for discipleship organizations. And, and why is that? The answer is because in this verse, what you see embedded is a chain of four generations of disciples. It's a very precious picture of the way that the early church functioned. There's a chain of four generations of disciples. Look at it with me. Um, so you, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you, so that's one. Well, it says we're highlighting me because that's really technically, logically the first one. You heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. Uh, so then the next slide will point out you. Okay, so there's me and you. So Paul is talking to Timothy. Entrust uh, to faithful people. Okay, who will be competent to teach others as well. So there's the chain of four generations where the gospel is being passed from me to you to faithful people 
who will teach others. Now, the crazy thing about this is there is actually a chain like this that goes from you all the way back to Jesus Christ. I wonder if when we get to heaven, we'll get to actually see the links one by one. We'll have all eternity. All right, tell me the story of every person. <laughs> that would be fun. Better than any TV show, you know, we've ever been blessed to watch. To see that connection all the way back. The gospel is passed from person to person. That's, that's how it happened then. And that's how it happens today. And here's the thing. God intends you to be a link in the chain. God intends you to be a link in the chain. That's what it means to live a full and abundant life. To have the privilege and the blessing and the honor to be a link in the chain as the gospel goes from one person to another. Um, I've shared this kind of thing before, but you know, there's a, there's a part of Andrew that is a kind of an adrenaline junkie. Um, so I've jumped out of an airplane and loved it. In fact, I tried to jump too early and the guy had to hold me back. Um, I have hit 56 miles an hour on my little road bike going down a mountain road, twisty road, um, basically wearing almost nothing, right? My little... Uh, probably the most crazy thing was I was spelunking one time and I was 45 minutes underground. So 45 minutes to get from where I was to the top. And we were, we were trying to see how far we could go. And the next passage was so narrow that as I crawled through it, I was scraping my belly and it was scraping my back at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the one. That's the one I think of when I'm like, hey, what's the craziest thing you've ever done? That was it right there. Because you know if you panic, right? Anyway, there's an adrenaline junkie that lives inside. It doesn't go well with being a pastor. Um, but it's there. And for all the joys and the craziness I've experienced in those moments and many other moments, similar and wonderful, you know, traveling, adventures, what have you, um, nothing compares, nothing compares to the privilege of sitting across the table from another person when they pray to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Nothing compares. Because in that moment, you know that all eternity has been transformed. All eternity has been transformed. And that this person is on a new journey with God that is going to transform them and will go on forever. And we get the privilege of doing that. Now, of course, those are rare moments. And when you live in a place like Lee live where, you know, things are kind of secular and, and maybe it feels like that's such a rare thing. It is rare. It is rare to get that opportunity for most people, unless you're Billy Graham, I guess. Um, it's rare to get that opportunity. But I actually believe it's possible for every single person sitting in this room to have that joy and that privilege to be able to pray. This is not something for the professionals. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You pass the gospel. And the thing we have to remember is that while that is wonderful and all heaven dances in glory when somebody comes to faith in Jesus Christ, 
equally important, or, or maybe part of the process, I mean, that's just the end of a long process usually, but part of the journey includes moments where people share the gospel, pass the gospel along, but don't necessarily see any fruit in that moment. And all heaven is watching when you get the chance to tell somebody about your relationship with Jesus Christ and the impact that it has had on you and the, the, the beauty and the wonder and the joy of living, standing in grace all your life. We uh, do this Airbnb thing in our house, which I've shared with you. And it's so astounding to me because I don't think there has been a person of the, I, I want to say between 20 and 30 people that have lived in our house. I don't think there's been a person with whom I haven't shared the gospel. And not like, just kind of like, you know, hey, I went to church. No, actually, because I have to be very careful with this is Airbnb, so I'm not going to like go out and, you know, but we just live our life and we do our thing and inevitably they'll come, it's, it's almost like, it's like the two, three month, whatever, the person will say, so it's so interesting what you do. What do you actually believe? Like there just comes this curiosity. And I have had opportunities where I'm just pinching myself because I've been able to, not just like in a short little conversation, but we're talking like 45 minutes, an hour more, where we're having a dialogue about who Jesus is, what grace is, what the Bible is, you know, all of that. And, you know, for all the crazy fun things I've done, even just that, like I'll be, when I have that opportunity, the next day I will just be so filled with joy. Because I'll be thinking back, right? You've had that opportunity before. And then the next day you're like, you're like, oh yeah, this is living. This is way better than spelunking. Like this is the best. And um, why is that? Why do we, why is there an inherent joy that comes with passing the gospel? Why is there inherent joy that comes with passing the gospel on to another person? And the, <laughs> the answer is because God feels joy when the good news he has purchased through the death of his son is passed into another person. See, it cost him a lot. This is no small thing. And so to see the gift that he has provided, made available, be given to another person, offered to another person, it strikes at the core of the compassionate heart of God. And here's the thing, is through the Holy Spirit, that same heart is living in you. So when you share the gospel with another person, you're tapping into the joy of the Lord, which is in you through the Holy Spirit. 
That's why you feel so happy and blessed and encouraged and fulfilled when you share the gospel with another person. And this is where verse one comes in. It's so important. Um, How can you pass the gospel? Two things, according to this text, are preliminaries to you then entering into this chain of gospel passage where you get to be one of the links. You get to be one of the links in the life of somebody else. And there's two things. First of all, remember you are a child of God. Now he says, he says, you then, my child. Well, you're a child of your spiritual parents, mother and father, whoever they were. I don't mean your actual mother and father. I mean whoever it was who's like a spiritual parent to you. You're a child of that person. But then that is just mirroring. That's reflective of the larger point that you are a child of God. And one of the key things for you to be enabled and empowered to be a person who passes the gospel along and and gets to enter into the joy of passing the gospel along to others, one of the key things for you um, to be able to do that is to be secure in your identity as a child of God. You are a chosen, adopted, beloved, redeemed, sealed child of God. That's who you are. And when that's true of you, you can enter into all kinds of crazy environments. You can spelunk, you can jump out of an airplane, you can go fast on a bike. I mean, we shouldn't be stupid with our lives. But, uh, but Ben, you can enter into something even more scary, which is telling something, somebody about Jesus. Because you're secure as a child of God. You're secure in your identity. That's the first thing. The second thing it says, be strong in grace. Be strong in grace. So you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ Jesus. When we share the gospel, we often look at what's happening through the eyes of the other person. And that can be really helpful because then we're trying to like anticipate where they might have objections and stuff. But if we go too far on that direction, then sometimes what happens is we start to picture what we're doing exclusively through their eyes. And if they're negative in any way, then we start to feel like we're doing a bad thing by sharing Jesus with them. You ever had that experience? You feel awful for sharing Jesus with somebody because you're so caught up in what they're thinking about you or what you are projecting into their mind that they're thinking, which because usually often, oftentimes they're not, I mean, the amount of times I've been surprised when I thought somebody was a hater and like is totally not and very curious, right? So what we're projecting, we think of what we're doing, we project that onto it, and we miss the very simple truth that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the absolute greatest message in the entire world. And it brings freedom, it brings joy, it brings eternal salvation, it brings new life, it brings abundant life. I could go on and on and on. This is goodness incarnate in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's what we're doing when we share the gospel. It's the most loving thing a person could do. To offer them eternal life through Jesus Christ. This is love. This is compassion, actually. And the best way 
for others to get that message. See, a lot of times that, you know, if they don't get it, then yeah, it doesn't feel like that. But you, you remember that you're sharing something good. The best way for them to get it is for you to get it. And that's why I think Paul uh, says it this way. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus as you go out to do this thing and link the chain together. Be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus because the, it's the grace that's gonna empower you to, 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 to make this a part of your life. It's the grace. It's you living in grace. It's you absorbing grace. It's you receiving grace on a daily basis. It's you reminding yourself in the midst of your sin and your struggle and your pain and your suffering that the grace of God is upon you on a daily basis, on a moment by moment basis. That is what is going to empower you to share the good news of the gospel of grace with others. You got to have it before you can give it. And so that's why Paul is saying, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Those who live on, the gra- on grace will be set up to share grace. That'd be a simple way to say it. Those who live on grace will be set up to share grace. Grace is what makes you strong. So every Christian is called and privileged to pass the gospel. Um, and and this, is fu- this fundamentally as we think about Vision Day and who we are as a church, you know, this fundamentally is, is who we are. We're a group of people who have found the gospel or been found by the gospel and are sent to pass the gospel along. Um, this is kind of a point of contention, a point of debate, because yes, we worship. Yes, we're a worshiping community. Yeah. And yes, we serve we are a serving community. Yes, that is core to who we are. Um, yes, we disciple. In other words, we help people go from A to B to C to D all the way to Z in their growth process of, of following Jesus. To be disciples, to be a learner. And so you grow from one step to the next. Yes, we disciple. But I, without like trying to put all, all those against each other, I just want to remind us of one thing. In heaven, there will be worship. In heaven, there will be service to one another. In heaven, there will be endless learning and growth because God is eternal. There's only one of those four that will not be in heaven, and that is mission. We will not be able to share the gospel in heaven because only the people who have the gospel will be in heaven. Already done. That's the one. So whether, I don't know how you want to frame that. I'm not trying to say one's more important. I mean, ultimately, we exist to glorify God. Yes, worship is primary. But in this season right now, there's one that we can do that we won't be able to do in heaven. And that's to pass the gospel. To pass the gospel. So all of that, has implications for the church and the way that we do church. And so I want to spend a moment as this is Vision Sunday on Sunday, on, on excuse me, the church. And I'm breaking this down into to just real briefly four kind of, I want to talk about Sunday worship and its role. I want to talk about um, home group and I want to talk about leadership. 
in the church, and then I want to talk about you, okay? So, um, Sunday worship, this is the first one. <clears throat> no longer is Sunday worship an end to itself if we capture this vision, if we understand that we are here to pass the gospel along. Rather, Sunday worship is part of a larger rhythm of life that's more holistic uh, than what most of us have experienced. For most of us, Sunday is everything. When we, when we talk about church, we're often talking about Sunday worship. That's what we really are referring to when we talk about church. That's what church is. We worship on Sunday. We're discipled on Sunday. This is where we learn about God. We worship. You know, sometimes it's the only means that we have for learning about God is on Sunday. Um, we serve on Sunday. You know, you're a greeter or you're this or that. Um, and it might even be where our only opportunity for mission happens. In other words, we invite friends to come on Sunday. Uh, and so that's how we discharge our mission. And here's the problem with putting so much on Sunday worship. Lots of problems. First of all, it makes it seem like the church is Sunday, that the church equals Sunday, when actually the church is a community of people who are living on mission together. And we see this in our language, and I don't like being the language police, but I, I, I hear this a lot, and, you know, it, whatever, it's what we do. But um, we're not at the church. Let me just clarify this. You're never at the church. You're with the church. You're with the church. The church is a community of people. That's what it is. And we have somehow slipped over into thinking of it as a physical place, or a time on Sunday morning. And that diminishes what God actually intends for the church, to limit it in that way. Um, the problem with seeing Sunday morning worship as everything is it facilitates a mental divide between the sacred and the secular. I do church on Sunday, and then I go and do the rest of my week, which is primarily secular. Sunday is when I do God things. The rest of the week is for secular things. And we create this division between the two that was never intended by God. Um, another problem is it severely curtails the giftedness of God's people. So it is wonderful and we're so thankful that you come early and you help with, you know, tech stuff or a greeter or whatever. But it, if we're communicating that that's the sum total of your service to God then we have sorely missed the boat. We have completely missed the message because Jesus called you and said, I will make you fishers of men, right? And this is what, this is, this is the deep, this is where the rich stuff is. Yes, let's do the household chores and let's greet people and, and do the tech things and everything. But this is, you're made for more than that. Now you're made for that and it's, it's a blessing to the family of God but you're made for more than that. You're made to dive into the incredible work of passing the gospel. That's what, that's what God's called you to. And so we don't want to curtail that. And then the other problem is that Sunday morning just simply can't carry the discipleship load. If you want to learn, a disciple is a learner. If you want to go from A to B to C, learning what it means to be like Jesus and becoming like Jesus, you can't Leave that to Sunday morning. I love what um, Colin Marshall and Tony Payne say in a book called The Trellis and the Vine. They say that seeing Sunday as the primary discipleship arena is like a doctor who says this. 
Um, seeing each of my patients individually and diagnosing their illnesses is just too difficult and time-consuming. Instead, I'm going to get all my patients to assemble together each week. I'll give them all the same medicine. I'll vary the medicine a bit from week to week, and it will at least do everybody some good. And it's much more efficient and manageable that way. You see, we, wouldn't, we would think a doctor who worked that way was crazy, right? And so we shouldn't be thinking that way in the church realm either. Now, that's not to say that Sunday isn't important. I'm not one of these pastors. There are pastors who are jettisoning Sunday morning and just saying, we don't even need that anymore. I love worship. You sh- I don't know if you saw me this morning. I was pretty much dancing this morning. I was into it and loving it, and it fills my soul to be able to sing God's praises with you all every week. So I am not I am not down on Sunday morning in the least. In fact, I want it to be better and more and greater and louder and more boisterous and all of that. And I'll just keep dancing more and more. You haven't seen anything yet. Um, Because I love to worship. I love to worship. Um, So I'm not down on Sunday morning at all. But let's just understand where it fits into the whole picture of everything. A better way to see Sunday worship is part of a larger holistic rhythm full of, uh, of a full Christian life. So um, this is a life, remember we've been talking about this, lived out of abundance rather than to exhaustion. So your week starts with refreshment and renewal. And out of that, you, you give and you serve and you pass the gospel for the rest of the week. But it starts out of abundance. So often we live to exhaustion. So we just fight and fight and fight until we can't go anymore and then we try to recuperate. But God is calling us to live out of abundance. And the abundance starts on Sunday when you embrace Sabbath rest. Um, Worship is part of, of your Sabbath rest because it helps you to turn your thoughts towards God. And you are refreshed and renewed and reoriented for the coming week. You're sent out, filled and sent out. That's what the point is. Um, So so that's Sunday worship. Let's talk briefly about home group as we think about our vision Sunday and we're just reconnecting to who we are. What's the role of home group in all this? Home group is not a meeting, just like Sunday is not, just like the church is not a meeting. Home group is not a meeting. Home group is a community of people with whom you do the Christian life. That's what it's intended to be. And it's a holistic Christian life. You, you might have a weekly meeting, but don't think of home group as the weekly meeting. Think of it as the community of people with whom you are doing life. Um, and this, this includes the rhythm of worship because worship isn't just Sunday. So we're hoping and we want to get better at this of having elements of worship in your home group with, uh, as you gather together or whatever you're doing. Um, there's discipleship there. Um, because the people in your home group actually know you and your home group leaders know you, that's where you're going to get that specific touch instead of, you know, trying to think like the doctor who gives one medicine to everybody on Sunday morning. We can actually be in each other's lives and we minister to each other in the home group setting uh, because you're known there and your issues are known and the pathways of healing are known and we're, we're actually working to try to really get better and better at helping to facilitate that in intentional ways in our home groups. Serving, uh, it's really hard to really stretch out your spiritual gifts and use them fully sitting in a chair on Sunday morning. 
Now, there are some things that we can do Sunday when we're gathered, and, and all of our gifts are there on display, but wow, I have seen people's spiritual gifts just come alive in a small home group setting where they can exercise the gift of faith directly into somebody else's life in a powerful way, for example. And then mission. You know, Jesus sent the disciples out in pairs, and yet we so often go alone. And it's hard because we, we live, modern society is so fragmented. Chances are, unless you're intentional, you will not see one person sitting in this room throughout the rest of this week uh, organically. It will have to be intentional. And that's different from the New Testament world. So we have to be a little bit more focused and intentional about working together in mission. You're not to do, you are to pass the gospel. You're not to pass the gospel alone. So I love in our home group, there, there are some people who just will always say, oh, I'm praying for this person. And it's a coworker or a friend or a family member. And we as a home group get to join that person in praying for somebody who hasn't yet received the gospel. And that happens week over week and we kind of get to know and, and get to love this person. And then all of a sudden we have what we call a Matthew party where it's somebody's birthday in the home group and they throw a party and, and, and Christian and non-Christian friends are all there together. And then I get to meet so-and-so that I've been praying for for the last months, right? And I get to, I get to be part of their life. And now whoever brought that person is not doing mission alone, but there's a partnership in it together. Uh, and then what we're hoping to do in this coming season is to really connect home group more tightly to Alpha. And I've got some crazy ideas about how we might do that, probably a little bit too radical, but we might experiment with it. Uh, either way, I, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that we will be able to, to, to make that link as in home group, we're partnering in ministry and mission together. And then where do we go with that? You know, we go into another kind of small community where the gospel is being shared in a way that's been tremendously effective in the place where we live. Alpha has been tremendously effective in the place where we live. I mean, like that term effective. It's just been fruitful in sharing the gospel in making it so people can interact with it and explore it and understand it and try to make sense of it. It's been incredibly effective. So home group. If you go into home group, if you get into home group, if you dive into home group with both feet, all these things we're talking about will, in theory, ideally, will work themselves out automatically. You don't even have to try, to try to do it all. It's simple. All right, leadership. If our target is to pass the gospel, our emphasis will pivot towards training up disciples who can train up disciples. That's what this 2 Timothy 2 talks about. So we've, we developed this Gospel Academy cohort last year. And uh, it, was, it was a wonderful experience. And this year, we're now creating an accelerated version of that. And we're going to, uh, we're, so that's already happening. And then we're taking all of the elders and the staff through the cohort so that we can be uh, raising up and really life-on-life -life -life discipling of people. And then my, we're working on position focus for each one of the pastors. And my position focus is pivoting from developing that last year to now working with home groups to bring a greater sense of intentionality around our discipling in the home groups. And so um, that's really important. There's a cool uh, little chart that I'll throw up just briefly um, that, that comes from this book, The Trellis and the Vine. And I just find it really helpful. Oh, it's, I'm sorry, it's too small. Can you even see it? Um, so yeah, so anyway, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through it. On, on the first one, it says pastor. What, what is leadership in a church that is really trying to create links in the chain? It's different than what we might expect, and I found this to be helpful. 
in the first column, you have pastor as clergyman. So that's sort of the old school, one pastor of a church, and they sort of do everything, and everybody else just sort of comes. Um, and then there's the pastor, the CEO, as the CEO. This is like, you know, the, the large church setting, and, 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 you know, you can imagine, you can picture what I'm talking about. And then the third one, which is the ideal one, is the pastor as trainer. And so in the, if we go down the line, it says pastor is preacher and service provider. That's what the clergyman does. Or preacher and manager. That's what the CEO pastor does. And then pastor as trainer, preacher and trainer. Sunday is service worship. Pastor as CEO is attractional meeting. We're seeing that that's just becoming less and less effective in our culture. Uh, and then uh, pastor as trainer, gathering of worshiping disciples with their Lord. Outside of Sunday, the clergyman would have an occasional service like Christmas and Easter, and people might come to that. Um, the pastor is CEO, a range of events, programs. Pastor is trainer, disciples reaching out to make disciples. And then pastors, clergymen, pastoral care happens by counseling visitation. So there's an expectation that I or one of the other pastors would do all the visitation uh, in that kind of a model. And uh, I, sometimes we feel that. Uh, and, and then uh, that would take place in the CEO model of uh, small groups. But in the trainer one, you've got people ministering to people. And this is what we've tried to lean into more and more over the years. And we're seeing it happening, but we need to see more of it. Um, the church is like a small corner store for the clergyman, for the CEO. It's a department store with numerous staff for uh, what we're talking about. It's a team with an active captain and coach. And then uh, lastly, it tends to result in, in the clergyman version, consumer and maintenance mode. Uh, in the CEO version, it's consumer and growth mode. And then this is what I love, the pastor's trainer. It's disciples in mission mode. Disciples in mission mode. That's what we're going for. That's what we're going for. We're putting a stake in the ground to say that's who we want to be. And so lastly then, what does this mean for you? And I hope this is going to be very simple. Just two things. First of all, I want to invite you to take advantage of the invitation to Sabbath rest. I'm saying it is an invitation. The Bible has it as a command, but you can deal with that. Um, embrace what we've been teaching about Sabbath, okay? Join your people in worship so you can be refreshed, renewed, and reoriented every Sunday. That's what this is for. That's why we're here together. Serve but on Sunday, but don't see this as the sum total of your service, of your contribution to the Lord. The bulk of it is going to happen as the church is scattered Monday through Saturday all throughout the Bay Area. The real meat and potatoes of your service is Monday through Saturday uh, as the church is scattered. Uh, so, so see Sunday as the, the day of Sabbath rest, which is going to fill you up. And we've handed out those cards about how to Sabbath. You're going to be filled up on Sunday. This is where you meet with your Lord and you are restored and renewed and refreshed. Part of that is worshiping, turning your, your gaze towards God as we come together and fellowshipping, you know, eating, resting, enjoying nature, being out in the world. Get filled up on Sabbath. That's, that's what we want Sunday to be. That's the picture. And then for the rest of the week, be part of a community that's doing life together. You know, again, home group is not just the meeting. We have an amazing text thread in our home group and people are putting prayer requests and praises and struggles on there throughout the week and we get to do life together. 
And that's God's vision. We're not supposed to walk this alone, including for mission, where we grow in our home group. You know, we help others grow as, as we know them and care for them. Um, we serve one another. We live on mission because we're praying for the people in our sphere. You know, we're creating opportunities for their, to get to know our, our other Christian friends. And then we're engaging with the opportunity of um, participating with the Alpha. There's another one, another one coming up in October. Um, so that's it. Rest on Sunday and then be part of a community. That's what I'm saying. If you just lean into those two things, all the other pieces, I'm trying to make it really simple, all the, simple, all the other pieces will, all the other pieces will come into the mix because they're already embedded in there. So rest on Sunday and make worship part of that. Get in a home group and let's do this. Let's be a people who pass the gospel. If it sounds too simple, um, it is simple because it's not supposed to be rocket science. Jesus just picked regular old people and called them up and they transformed the world. And that's what God wants to do with us. So God, help us, help us to be world transformers, not because we have anything that we can bring to the mix, but because you bring it all and you invite us just to be vessels carriers of the gospel, people who pass it on. We want to do that because it taps into the joy of your heart and you put that in our heart through your spirit. And so we want to tap into that joy. We want to live the fullness, the abundance of life for your glory. And because we love other people. Because we like to do exciting things that are meaningful and eternal. Because we don't want to waste the breath we've been given for however long we have on this planet. For all those reasons, Lord, we want to do this. So fill us with your grace. Remind us of our identity in you so that we feel safe and secure at every moment. And that the grace is just dripping from our tongues as we're going through life. And people just can't help. They can't resist the goodness of your grace as we dispense it. Left and right, front and center, up and down all around as we walk through our days. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Pastor Andrew.